If you'd like to grab a seat, grab your Bible or your Bible app, it'll also be on the screen. Um, we're in Mark today, uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. You see, my betrayer is at hand. I'm just going to pray briefly. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Um, just pray for this time. Pray for Pete that you might um, give him the words to speak. That you would soften all of our hearts. Um, that we might yeah, truly hear these these difficult sayings of Jesus. Um, and seek earnestly to, to love you all the more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not sure of how many people would know this or remember this about me, but before becoming a pastor, I actually spent 10 years working in a corporate job. And one of my responsibilities was actually to interview uh, people into to the workplace, into the company that I was working for and we used to have this particular part of the interview that I really enjoyed where we would, we would ask particularly difficult questions okay and the idea actually was to ask questions and and see the the people sort of squirm and not be able to answer that was the hope we would keep going until there'd be like some questions they they couldn't answer and ironically one of the most difficult questions that people would find very very difficult is the question how would you find a needle in a haystack, right? And you sort of think to yourself, um, finding a needle in a haystack, how, how hard can that be? But I tell you, if, if someone answered, oh, you know, I'd just sift through all the hay and find the needle, that was not what we were looking for. We were looking for innovative ways, right? And just so that you guys don't spend the entire sermon thinking of innovative ways, let me give you uh, probably the best ones. The best one of the best is, is to get a magnet, Right, so magnet will get the needle out. Another good one is put the haystack or the entire haystack in some sort of vessel of water. The, the hay or straw will float and the needle will sink. But my personal favourite, um, and maybe some of you have thought of this already, is burn the haystack. <laughs> All right, that's, that's a good one. Okay, now we, uh, these were some difficult questions in a job interview, but today we're looking at a particularly difficult question that Jesus poses to his father as he's praying to him. 
Now, in one sense, the, the question is a yes or no question. Will you remove the cup? Yes or no? But what makes this particularly difficult question or saying of Jesus is that his loving father says no. Right? It's a difficult question because Jesus is so vulnerable when he asks it. But then his father says no. So we're going to look at this today. The way that we're going to go through it, our outline for today, is firstly, I just want to set the setting for, for this scene. We're just picking up um, toward the end of the Gospel of Mark. So I want to set the setting. Uh, then look directly at verse 36, which is Jesus' prayer, and consider uh, the Father's answer. And, and finally, want to just consider what, what is our response to this difficult saying, this difficult answer. What, what should our response be? Okay, so firstly, the setting. If you've got your Bibles there, we're going to be tracking through um, Mark 14 from verse 32. Uh, but the first thing we see about the setting there in verse 32, they went to a place called Gethsemane. He said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. So Jesus has gone somewhere to pray. Gethsemane, uh, some of the other accounts of Jesus' life and even historical evidence shows us that it's a, it's a garden within the boundary of, of Jerusalem. So Jesus has gone to this garden to pray. And that should raise something uh, for us if you're familiar with your Bible because there's another pretty famous garden in the Bible. That is the, the Garden of Eden. And I think we're meant to see some, some distinctives here between those two things. Because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were promised that if they were to obey God, then they would live. Right? To disobey was, was death. But... But Jesus here, to obey God, will actually lead to his death. Isn't that interesting? There's a, there's a contrast there, there going on in the garden. He, Jesus here is the, the sort of, we're seeing the substitute, the, the new Adam, uh, who's going to be obedient to his, his father's will. Uh, as we read on in verse 33 and, and 34, we see that Jesus is, is troubled. You see there's deep emotions going on. Uh, he took with him Peter and James and John, began to be greatly distressed and troubled. He said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed. This is new for Jesus. Jesus is incredibly sort of emotional and vulnerable and there's something deep going on here. And it's sort of disturbing in a sense because we've seen Jesus uh, through the story of his life in some, some really hard and challenging situations. He's there in the storm and he, he remains calm. He's, he's got people opposing or accusing him or asking him difficult things and he's, he remains so, so calm and just answers with such peace and, and so forth. And yet here, he is incredibly emotional, he's incredibly distressed, he's in, incredibly troubled. What's going on? Um, and we, we could say, well, well, here he knows he's, he's about to die. I mean, that's causing him a lot of distress and trouble. But yeah, as you think about it, there's actually been many uh, Christians that have known that they've been going to their death and, and they've been, on the whole, recently calm and, and secure in that. Why is Jesus here so troubled? And I think it's because Jesus knows he isn't just going to his death. He's actually going to face the horror 
of hell. He's going to face the horror of hell. And he's so distressed because he knows how bad, how terrible that is. Uh, As we looked at last week, he's going to be forsaken by his father. He's going to receive the full wrath of the father. And and we know this from two other things about the setting. Uh, Firstly, we see in verse 35, it, it talks about uh, the hour. So going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Now, this is a, another sort of word that we see actually quite a number of times in the accounts of Jesus' life. It talks about the hour. So early on in the gospel accounts, for instance, you know, his mum wants him to turn water into wine. And he, he sort of said, well, it's not yet my hour. His brothers want him to, to go up to Jerusalem for a festival and he's, it's not yet the, the hour. Uh, and yet Right now, he's talking about the, the hour that's about to come. And in fact, in, in verse 41 of, of this passage, uh, it, it, it says, um, Jesus says, Are you still sleeping to his disciples? It is enough. The hour has come. Right? What he, he's talking about there is that the, the hour is, is pointing forward to his suffering um, on the cross, his death, his forsaking by the Father. And this in the garden is sort of humanly speaking his last opportunity to flee. Before he gets arrested, he he, so had this opportunity to to flee. Um, It's his last chance to back down. So that's what's going on for Jesus. He's confronted with the hour is right here. And the other thing to take note of is actually in verse 36. Jesus prays, remove this cup from me. As part of his prayer. Now the cup, it's really important to, to know what this, this means. It's a metaphor of divine justice which is poured out for injustice. Right? So it's a metaphor, the cup. It's talking about divine justice being poured out for injustice. Now we, we can read about this. There's numerous examples in the Old Testament. I'll, I'll just flick to one in, in Ezekiel uh, to sort of... It, it describes in, in, verse, in chapter 23 just sort of the, the cup of, of God's wrath. It says there, a cup of horror and desolation in verse 33. In verse 34, you shall drink it and drain it out and gnaw at its shards and tear at your breasts. As they've referred to a number of times in the Old Testament, this cup of God's wrath which is poured out on injustice. Now, this is the cup. That, that Jesus is, is wanting to be removed. He, he actually doesn't, doesn't want to face God's justice against injustice. Um, he knows how horrific it is. And so that brings us to Jesus' prayer. It's our, our second point. We're going to look at verse 36, Jesus' prayer. See, what does Jesus do in this moment of distress and trouble? He prays. What's Jesus do in this moment of distress and trouble? He prays. What's Jesus do in this moment of distress and trouble? He prays. And as we look at the prayer, there's every reason for God the Father to say yes to this prayer. Firstly, he addresses God there, Abba, Father. 
There's such an intimacy um, in, in those words that describes the relationship that Jesus and his father share. That word Abba, uh, that's an Aramaic word. So Jesus growing up spoke Aramaic. And, and it's, sort of a, it's a word that some people have translated as daddy, but it's a very sort of intimate way of, of addressing uh, his father. There's an intimacy of their relationship here. Um, I shared this example before, but I, I hope it's a helpful one, and I just love it because it's about Star Wars. Um, but in the, a couple of years ago, my kids were watching Star Wars for the first time. And in the, the number five, which is the second one of the original trilogy, Empire Strikes Back. Um, I'm sorry, it's been out for 40 years. I'm gonna, there's a major spoiler I'm about to land on everyone here. Um, but Darth Vader is Luke's father, right? And, and my kids actually, they already knew this. Everyone, I think, who watches this already knows this. And so where they're watching this like, battle scene between Darth Vader and Luke... And my second daughter, who normally gets really sort of worked up in in those sort of scenes, she's sitting there calmly, and I look over and I, you're right. She's she's yeah. She she says to me, I know that no dad would ever hurt their child. <laughs> now there's something so wonderful. <laughs> I love that she said that. The very next second, Darth Vader cuts off Luke's so. <laughs> arm. But I think we can honestly say about the God the Father is the completely loving and wonderful Father. So what's what's going on here? Jesus is addressing him, and and Jesus knows that not only is God the Father loving, uh, but but is able. In, in the prayer, it goes on to say, "All things are possible for you." This lands us on a there's a, a word for this sovereign. Uh, that God is sovereign. He is in control of all things and, and wonderfully so. He controls everything. So he's, all things are possible. Now you, you sometimes get people um, sort of come up with these logical in- inconsistencies like, you know, if God can do anything, can he make a rock so big that he can't move it? And, you know, could he make a two-sided triangle and those sorts of things? But th- those, are, those are logical inconsistencies. He can't... He can't can't sort of that that's an impossible logical consistency that God wouldn't be God if he did those things in a sense um, and also God can't go against his own holy character right so the Bible tells us that he, he can't lie okay th- things like that so um, when when Jesus here is saying all things are possible for you he's, he's acknowledging that that God is in control and sovereign over all things and clearly has the ability to grant his request, which is to remove this cup. Okay, it's possible for the Father. But notice how Jesus asks this request with such open-handedness. He goes on to say, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is pouring out his heart here. He's been totally real about what he is facing He's, he's asking his father for something that, it, that in a sense, he, he desperately wants. It would, it would have been so easy for Jesus to, to approach his father and just demand. Like, I've been not just a good son, I've been the best son. Um, you know, he should, should give me what I, what I ask for. I don't deserve to drink this cup, so, you know, take it from me. He could demand. 
On the other hand, Jesus also could sort of do what we sometimes do and say, well, I'm not even going to ask because I know before the foundation of the world that, that this is the wonderful plan we had to redeem a people that I would lay down my life uh, for the sins of the world and, and not even ask. But I think we see beautiful, beautifully Jesus' vulnerability in, in approaching his father here, but also sort of his, his openness. Not my will, but your will be done. And he, he doesn't hear, even though he's so human in this, he doesn't let his, commotion, his emotions control him. And neither does he seek to control his father, his heavenly father, in his request here. Okay, so we've got Jesus' prayer, and, and in a sense, it's, it's the sort of prayer and request that it, it's just, it's beautiful. How could you not say yes to this? Let's look at the, the father's answer. Now, we've got to admit, as a father, I am, I'm saying no all the time. Actually, I really like to say yes. Kids, my kids, I really like to say yes. Um, but if you ask me for the, like, the 15th time, can we have more Easter eggs? As pro- at some stage, it's going to be a no. Um, no, you can't always watch that. Um, no, you can't paint the wall with nail polish. But there's just, you know, there's, there's certain things. Um, now, I've been thinking about this, but I'm fairly certain that God the Father to this point had, had never said no to Jesus. Never said no to Jesus and probably didn't go like this, but you just imagine Jesus there and he's like, oh, disciples haven't catered for all the people. God, can, can we feed 5,000 people here? It's like, yeah, let's, let's make that happen. God, the disciples have sailed off without me. Can I walk on water here? Yeah, we'll make that happen. Um, like, you know, up, up until that point, um, it, had, it had been yes, 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 yes. Um, but here... The answer is no. No, son. I won't remove this cup. My son, you are going to have the shame of the mocking voices. My son, you are going to have the suffering of the cross. My son... You're going to have the horror of being forsaken. And of hell. I think, and I think we'll hopefully come to see it, but the Father's answer of no here, amazingly, is because he has a better yes. His no here is because he has a better yes. Now, there's something, I think, in, in all of us that we, we sort of cry out. What, why couldn't the Father requ- re- answer Jesus' request here? I think it does come back to, to that all things are possible. Because Jesus didn't have to drink the cup in a certain sense. But then if he doesn't drink the cup, what happens? Well, you and I and all humanity are still in our sins 
Actually, the, the only prospect for us then is to face the horrors of hell. Now, uh, Richard Dawkins in his book, The God Delusion, I, I think he puts it really well. He, he says, well, well, couldn't God just have overlooked the sins? I mean, couldn't, couldn't God, if, if God the Father if he's all loving, you know, couldn't, he, couldn't he just sort of forgive the sins? That sounds really compelling. We think, well, yeah, surely loving God could just overlook um, or just sort of forgive the sins. But when you actually think about it, that would mean that he's saying that sin is okay. That sin is not offensive. Now, I think all of us to some level want to overlook the sort of sins that we've done. But when we really think about the, the horrors and the effects and the pain caused by Sin, we really see that sin cannot be overlooked. It can't just sort of be wiped away. That its effects are deep and something needs to be done about it. It is impossible for the loving and holy God to overlook sin. He can't allow something which hurts and harms everyone to continue. The cup must be drunk. And the solution is that Christ drinks the cup as a substitute, as the one to drink the cup for your sins, for my sins. The, the memory verse that they've been learning at Kids Holiday Club actually really beautifully speaks to this. It's 1 Peter 3.18. Uh, and it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, once for sins, it's complete what he did on the cross for all sins that would be repented of. The, the righteous for the unrighteous. There's the, the substitution. Um, Jesus, the righteous, holy, obedient one for you and I and everyone that would call upon the name of Jesus, the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The answer, the Father's answer to Jesus is no. Because he has a better yes. One of the things I would have loved to ask Jesus, might when get to, to heaven, um, is the question, and I think maybe his disciples did when he rose from the dead, is, Jesus, was it worth it? Was it worth it going through all of that for the sins of the world? And I am so sure that he looks at you and he looks at me with just love in his heart and he says, yes. Yes. It was worth it because I love you. And I've willingly laid down my life for you so that you can have life in my name. If you're a Christian, I hope that that encourages you. In fact, his heart is drawn to you. Uh, even as you are in sins and transgressions, his heart is drawn. Say, I have paid it all for that. Will you know my love? Will you receive the life I offer? If you're here and you're not yet a Christian, that is the, the message of Christianity. Uh, that the righteous has died, he has suffered for you to bring you to God.
Will you receive that love that he offers? Will you acknowledge your sin, your need for forgiveness? Will you know that his arms are open wide and will embrace you? So I want to look now at, at our response. Okay, we've seen this beautiful prayer. We've seen um, the Father answered no for, for a better yes. And, and I hope that, that right now for, for us, our experience is we're, we're wanting to, to draw near to Christ. Um, we're, we're feeling and experiencing the, the love that he has demonstrated for us on the cross. And it's, we want to draw near. And the, the way that I, I want to encourage us to do this is actually to just reflect on Jesus' prayer here for ourselves. So because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we are invited to call God our Father. We can cry out, Abba, Father. In fact, the, the Scriptures, Romans 8, tells us that the Holy Spirit works in us to, to remind us and convince us that, that not only does God love us, but we are his sons and his daughters, and we can cry out, Abba, Father. If God feels right now or sometimes feels cold or distant to you, if he, he feels sort of unloving, if, if you've tried praying and you haven't received the answers you want, it's been a, a no, maybe you, you feel like you can't pray something because you're holding it so closely that to, to pray it and to get a no would be so devastating. Know that because of what Jesus has done, that your relationship with him is changed. It is different. You are his son. You are his daughter. You can go into your loving father and know that he loves you, that he works all things for the good of those who love us, who, who loves him. I think this changes our, our very approach to prayer it means if we if we understand that we are God's sons and daughters uh, in Christ, uh, then we can approach prayer and approach our relationship with God. Um, and on one hand, we can ask, we can put our request to God freely. Uh, on the other hand, we we can know um, that His will is for the best. We can open handedly say, "Not my will, but Your will, be done." Paul Miller, in his book, A Praying Life, it's his most helpful book I've, I've read on prayer. He talks about prayer sort of on this, this pathway and he talks about how we can sort of fall off the pathway in one of two ways. One way is that we just don't ask. Right? We're, we're, we're too hesitant. There's, there's something in us that's stopping us from, from praying and asking. And actually, as we read through the Gospels, we see that Jesus just is consistently and constantly reminding his followers, just ask. Ask and you shall receive. And we're to put our requests before him, knowing that he's our Father, is a good God. That's one way we can fall off the, the pathway. The, the other way we can fall off the pathway of prayer um, is sort of hold things with such a closed fist. It's almost like, God, I'm asking you for this and, and you need to do things my way. Uh, but Jesus here shows that, that actually an open-handed, not my will but your will uh, be done is, is a helpful way. And, and in, in praying that way and coming to God that way, we actually surrender. We, we lose our kingdom but we gain his. 
His kingdom, one that is of willing sacrifice and surrender, one of love and kindness, one of righteous and purity. I, th- I think I could honestly say that as we, we walk and we, we ask God, we trust he is good and loving, um, we hold things openly knowing that ultimately his will is best. Then uh, <laughs> We'll always look back and say, it was worth it. Uh, Brian and Jennifer Phillips, who were part of our church for, for seven years, were just recently here this week. And Brian said something that really stood out to me. He said before they came to Australia to, to serve amongst us, um, one of his biggest concerns was, was for how it was going to affect their children. Uh, and he, he prayed about that. And he says, looking back now, uh, that it actually was the best thing uh, in the lives of, of their children. That, that sacrifice to, to come and to serve and to put God's kingdom first. Um, now, it's different in, in different ways, but I think and I'm sure that we would look back and, and see that, that seeking to be obedient to God the Father's will, we will look back and, and say it was worth it. And we will see that when the answer from him is no, it's actually always because there's a better yes. And I know that can be hard when the, the no answer has, has been very, very difficult at times. But I'm sure we can be confident. That's because there's a better yes. I just want to finish uh, just reflecting a little bit on the, the disciples at the, the end of, uh, of this uh, passage. Uh, what did the disciples do when Jesus asked them to watch and to pray that they wouldn't enter into temptation? They had a nap. What did the disciples do when Jesus asked them to watch and pray that they wouldn't enter into temptation? They had a nap. What did the disciples do when Jesus asked them to watch and to pray that they wouldn't enter into temptation? They had a nap. Now, I am all for napping. I'm probably going to have a nap this afternoon. Uh, you know, we live in a, a culture that's very, very interesting. Because our, our culture would say the, the best thing for our, our mental health, our physical health, is, is to get to the rest we need. We need to get away and restore and rest and, and, and those sort of things. But let me ask you, did the disciples taking a nap prepare them for the temptation that was to follow? Uh, when, when Jesus came and was arrested, the disciples, what happened? They flee. When, when Peter's there in the, in the courtyard and, and they ask, do you even know Jesus? He says, he, he disclaimed that he even knew Jesus. You see how, in, in this case, the, the napping really didn't prepare them for what was to come. Friends, uh, we, we definitely want to uh, get good rest and, and restoration. Uh, that's really important. But the key thing, the most important thing I would argue is that we're coming before our loving Heavenly Father in prayer. Now we're at a time I think culturally where we really do need to be watching and praying 
that God would not, uh, that, that we would be spared from, from temptation. That we wouldn't enter into temptation. That we wouldn't sin. It's, it's always the case. Friends, would you pray? I want to invite you again, and I do this every so often. We, we have a wonderful time before church every Sunday uh, when a number of us gather to pray. It's, it's over near the kids' ministry rooms, just the other side of R2-D2 over there. And we, we meet at, at 9.15 to, to 9.45 and just pray. Just ask that God would bless us, bless his church, bless his, his kingdom around the world. Um, I just want to invite you. Don't nap for too long on a Sunday morning, uh, but come, come and join us in prayer. I can't tell you how much that that will encourage and build up your hearts. But let's end our time now um, by by praying. And I'm actually going to um, just go through those those three things in Jesus' prayer. I'm going to spend a little bit of time um, just the wonder and beauty of God being our Father, uh, the the sovereignty of 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 God, and give us a, a bit of an opportunity to to even put what's on our hearts. Um, and request before God, and then I'm going to spend uh, a little bit of time um, just just praying and praising that that God's will be done. So let's pray together now. I'll I'll leave some silence, and and you obviously pr- feel free to pray in those times. Abba, Father, uh, it is amazing. It's incredible that we can call the Creator of all the universe. Uh, in such an intimate way. And, and Lord, we can do that because you love us, um, not only because you created us um, in your image, but because you have redeemed us through your Son. Uh, Father, today I just pray that we would know and rest in your love for us. Father, we know that you are sovereign, that all things are in your hands, uh, that we don't need to be afraid or fearful um, because um, you are in control of all things, that that your plan is good and perfect. Uh, Father, we are so thankful that we can come before you and we can put our requests before you. And and now as we just lay out... um, what is on our heart, we pray that you would listen uh, to our prayers and requests. Father, because you are good, because you are sovereign, we can and we want to trust you. Uh, Help us to, to live our lives, not for our kingdom, but for your kingdom. Help us to surrender to your good and wonderful will. Uh, Father, we pray, uh, not, not our will, but your will be done and we pray that you would align our hearts with your 
wonderful will. Father, we pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand as we sing this last song together.
please feel so welcome to, to stay around afterwards. Uh, there'll be some refreshments outside. I'd love to continue and keep going some of those conversations from earlier. I'd encourage you to uh, just talk to one another about uh, what, what God's word sort of spoke to you today. Uh, and, and especially just want to, again, acknowledge we've got a lot of visitors and we're, we're thankful that you're here uh, joining us today. Um, let me send you out now. I want to send you out with Jesus' prayer. Uh, and, and in a sense, I just encourage you, as I, I, I won't say about removing the cup, um, but I just want us to, to know that this, this is a, a great prayer for, for us to be praying as we might put our petitions and requests before God. Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Amen.